Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. Oh, oh. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the live episode of Arts for the Health of It. So if you're listening to this on whatever uh, platform you do, make sure you go to the Arts for the Health of It Facebook page or YouTube page, and you can actually watch us record these live. We're here with Amy Lotta today. Hi, Amy. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for coming on. Amy takes creativity to a new level, but when uh, I talked to her a couple weeks ago, can you tell everybody, I think it was last year, what you did for all of the Hallmark um, Christmas movies, what you sure. did for the tree, which I think is a little crazy, but also very fun. Yeah, that was kind of my pet project last year. So I'm obsessed with Hallmark Christmas movies. And this, my project last year was that I decided that, you know, how they have their countdown to Christmas movies and they have like 40 new ones that they're premiering. So I made a special DIY ornament for every one of those movies. So I would watch the movie and then pick out some kind of symbol or, you know, something that went with the title or that was important in the plot. And I would turn it into an ornament. And I tried to do all kinds of different techniques. So like I crocheted one and one was wood burned and one was um, with the hand lettering, one's with vinyl. So um, I challenged myself to do different kinds of ornaments too. So I ended up basically being able to do an entire tree with these Hallmark movie ornaments. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm a particularly a fan of the crochet item. It's one of my art forms of choice. Um, yes. Was it like a little, I'm just curious, was it like a little figure or like what was the? It was a little tree. Oh, yeah, a little Christmas tree. His one of the movies was about them wanting to cut down a big tree that was in someone's front yard for the town Christmas tree. And it was this whole thing like, will he let them have it or will they not? But this year I wasn't able to do it because so Hallmark has all of theirs, plus the Hallmark movies and mysteries. And then there's that new GAC channel. Plus, we just got Lifetime on Friendly. So I have like 700 new Christmas movies to watch and I just, oh <laughs> there was no way. <laughs> You're going to be very busy. Mm-hmm. Very busy. Is my mic better? Apparently I'm having an issue with my mic. It's, it it's better. Fair. Okay. I don't think I did anything, but that's good. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad. Um, Amy, you are an artist and an author, I am. but you weren't like... I don't want to say always an artist because everyone's always creative or can be creative, but you had another life before you became an artist. Can you talk about that and then talk about why you were drawn to the arts? Sure. Uh, Well, basically, from the time that I was really, really small, I loved crafting and creating of all different kinds. And my mom is very creative. 
And so she taught me as I was growing up how to sew, how to crochet, how to do all these different kinds of art forms. And I loved it. And I was in 4-H as a child. And so I didn't have any animals. I didn't do that side of it, but we would have the 4-H fair and we could enter craft projects. So, I mean, I crocheted Afghans and I sewed dresses and I drew pictures and I took photography and just basically every category that you could enter something in, in the fair, I would enter it. Um, and so we would spend our whole summer crafting and creating things together. Um, so it was really a huge part of my life growing up. But I guess somewhere along the way, um, someone, it, not someone, just sort of society, I guess, told me that, um, you know, you're smart, you do well in school, you need to get a real job. And, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be a starving artist. And, you know, art isn't going to be something that is going to be a career path for you. And so... I went the college track and, you know, I decided that I was going to be a teacher because I also love reading and writing. So I was an English teacher and I did that for several years in our local school district. I taught eighth grade through 12th grade and there were parts of it that I really loved. And then there were parts of it that I didn't love as much. Mm -hmm. um, I loved the kids. I didn't love that every time we got a new supervisor, the curriculum changed and, mm -hmm. you know, these expectations were just unreal. I can't imagine, you know, this was years ago. I can't imagine being a teacher now with all the demands of virtual and everything else that's been going on. Um, but so I transitioned to teaching ballroom dance. My husband and I were doing Ooh. that as a hobby. Mm -hmm. So I can do all the ballroom Latin and swing dances. I do them. I know the ladies part and the man's part. And I taught that uh, for several years. I did that for four years. And um, it was really, really a ton of fun. At the time, I thought it was my dream job. And then we had our first son, Noah. And when Noah was born, I wanted to stay home with him. I didn't want to miss him growing up. And the hours that you have to teach ballroom dance are not real mm. conducive to a young family because, you know, when people want to take lessons, usually it's as a couple and the couple can't typically come during the day because at least one of them is working. So um, I had a few retired couples, some empty nesters that would come during the day, but most of my hours were at night. And I felt like as Noah grew, that's when, you know, all the concerts and the plays and the things that he's going to be active in, you know, I'm going to want to be able to go to those. Plus, that's like right now he's in high school. And that's the time that our family has together, we eat dinner mm -hmm. together. And then we do something as a family, we play a game or something. So I thought, you know, long term, this career just doesn't line up lifestyle wise with the way that I want my family to look and my life to look. Um, so I stopped working for a little while. And I was making lots of crafts with Noah, just like my mom had done with me. And we were doing alphabet months so he could learn his ABCs and making like projects each day for each letter. And I was looking for some more projects for us to do when I came across a craft blog. And it was the first one that I had ever seen. This was back in like 2010. I think Noah mm -hmm. was two. And it was just starting to be a thing, this idea of a craft blog, a blog that wasn't just somebody's diary. And it was there to help and inspire and instruct. So I was like, what just happened? <laughs> what did I just see? There's this huge, amazing wealth of knowledge out there and resources and ideas to inspire people. I want to do it. 
So I had no technical, I mean, you heard I was a teacher of English and dance. Like I had no technical ability whatsoever. No idea where to start. Um, but my husband was like, you're smart, you'll figure it out. So I went on blogger.com and I just made that day this free little website and it was <laughs> terrible looking, but it was a place to put my ideas and share what Noah and I were up to in the hopes of inspiring other young moms and just other people in general. And that's how my website started and how my career sort of just took a really sharp turn um, into something that I didn't even know existed. I mean, when I was choosing a career, I want to be a craft blogger and I want to be, uh, you know, doing these lifestyle TV segments and I, that stuff didn't exist. And so being able to sort of fall into it at just the right time, um, you know, it was a huge blessing for me because it wasn't something that I ever could have planned for. Hmm. Well, and it sounds like you're getting to kind of combine your, your background though in your book writing, because you have several publications and you have a new one coming out. Um, and it sounds like you're, is, do you feel like that's kind of where these different parts of your background are kind of coming together in a, in a way? I do, because I feel like if I boil it down, like I have a few real passions. Um, I have my family, of course, and then I have writing and I have crafting, creating, you know, any kind of art with my hands and I have teaching and basically everything that I do, whether it's a post on my website, a TV segment, you know, something like what we're doing today or one of the books is a combination of those passions. And so I'm still teaching, just not in a classroom. And, you know, I'm able to use my English skills, my English degree. And, you know, it just it looks very different than I thought that it might. But it's very cool to me that I was able to find something to do that combines everything I love best. Mm, that feels so good, right? To, and it, it's resonating with people. People are responding and have been responding and are excited to learn what you're teaching them, which is awesome. Were you, how long did it take since like that type of blogging was so new at the time? How long did it take to kind of get traction? And then what were you hearing from people when people started to find you? Well, so at first it was crickets. I had um, like five followers. It was my mom and my best friend and <laughs> about what I expected. And when I started it, I had no thoughts of it ever becoming anything other than a hobby for myself, just uh, something that I hoped would inspire one or two people, honestly, because I didn't know what I was doing. And I had no illusions that I was someday going to have this giant audience. Like that wasn't how I went into it. It was, I just want to have an outlet because I'm a stay-at-home mom now and I need something where I can engage with grownups. And if it inspires one person, I will have done something awesome. And so that's kind of how I approached it. And then um, what happened over time was companies started to reach out to me. So the first company that reached out was Horizon Group USA. Um, they had this wonderful marketing person named Tara, and she came across my blog somehow. And Horizon Group is the company that makes all of the craft supplies that you buy in Walmart. So if you go in their craft mm. aisle and, you know, you get pipe cleaners or googly eyes or yarn or, you know, whatever's in that like kid craft aisle, they make that. And so they reached out and said, hey, 
we love what you're doing. We see that you're starting to kind of accumulate some followers. What if we sent you a package of our supplies and you and Noah made stuff with it? And then when you post about it, just give us a little link, you know, link to our website or tag, tell people, go to Walmart. Um, so I was like, heck yes, free supplies. Are you kidding me? Like you want to send me free stuff? <laughs> and so I got so excited, you know, and they sent us stuff and we made the little projects. And then that was right around the time that brands were starting to realize that bloggers were going to be influencers. I mean, at the time, like, I don't think the word influencer existed the way it does today. Um, but brands started to realize that if they put some advertising dollars behind it, that they could get more for their dollar than a billboard or magazine ad, because basically people like me were curating the exact audience they wanted to reach. So I have this demographic of women from 25 to 65 or 70. A lot of them have either kids or grandkids and they want to create. So people like plaid crafts who make all the folk art paints and Mod Podge and all those things we love to play with. They got real interested in what I was doing. And people like Cricut that make the electronic cutting machines got interested in what I was doing. And, you know, as I started hand lettering, Tumbo got interested in what I was doing. And so I've been able to partner with these brands who make products that my audience wants to use. And all of a sudden I went from getting these free boxes of pom-poms and pipe cleaners to getting checks when I would write a blog post that featured a new product. And it was absolutely just out of the blue for me because I never imagined making a penny off of it. Um, and as I shared, the community just continued to grow. And my favorite thing was when people started sending in pictures of, look, I tried your project and this is what my kids and I made, or this is mm -hmm. what I made. And, um, you know, to this day, that's some of my favorite feedback is when people post or share pictures. Um, in my Facebook group, we have a weekly show and tell thread. And that's like my favorite thing all week because I get to see what people are actually creating and how they're taking the information that I'm just kind of throwing out there and hoping it sticks somewhere. And I get to see what people are doing with it, which is just so energizing. That's so fun. Wow. I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it just sounds like, like every day is just like a creative fun and that like you get to just like, I like play in pom poms and glitter, like all <laughs> You're day, not that far off, well, Richard. <laughs> you know, I'm, that's what I'm jealous of. Um, <laughs> what, how, what was that like to be like, I think I'm going to, to make that transition of like, I think I'm going to be an artist now and I'm going to teach art. And I'm, and you really started um, your first, your first five books are all about hand lettering. So I love that your art is with the written word, but also the actual words are art as well. Can, can you talk about kind of how you got into hand lettering? Sure. That's, I love that story. <laughs> so um, I guess it was around 2015, hand lettering started to get really popular. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it's basically, it's also called modern calligraphy. It's the process of turning, like you said, Richard, your words into art. And so that encompasses all kinds of writing styles and fonts and embellishments. It's just any way that we turn what we've written into artwork. 
Um, and so essentially, I mean, I've been doing this since I was doodling in my notebooks, you know, my Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper when I was in sixth grade. But, you know, it started to be a, a thing that people were talking about in 2015, because I think, and maybe you can resonate with this, um, I think that in general, as a community, the art world kind of reacts when we feel like something is in danger of going away. So for mm -hmm. example, nobody cared about blackboards until all the schools said, you know what, we're going to have whiteboards now and we're going to take the blackboards and throw them away. And everybody went, <gasps> and now look what happened. We put them in our houses. People made <laughs> walls out of chalkboard. Like, what was that? You know, and so we were so afraid of losing something that we felt was important that we related to. And so there was this whole movement. And to this day, you know, chalkboard stuff and chalkboard lettering and chalk writing, like it's still something that we're doing because we didn't want it to go away. And I think that that's what happened with lettering. People started to realize my kids aren't getting taught cursive in school. And, you know, old style calligraphy and things like that are going by the wayside. Everything is so computer and tablet driven. Everything is graphic art. And I think people got afraid that fonts were going to replace our handwriting. And there's no substitute for mm -hmm. writing something by hand. I mean, think about your treasured possessions, your card that has grandma's note in it, you know, and things like that. And so I think the art community went, oh my gosh, if we don't do something, the art of handwriting is going to be gone forever and we're not going to be able to get it back. So there was sort of this resurgence, this idea like, okay, maybe people don't want to do like old style Gothic calligraphy, but we can call it modern calligraphy. We'll put a new spin on it. You know, we'll do something a little different, use a different tool. So if you ever watched someone or tried writing in old style calligraphy, it's that pointed pen made out of metal, not flexible. Um, so now what we do is we use a brush pen, which is a real flexible marker where the the pressure that you apply controls how wide your lines are. Hmm. And so it's a new tool. It's a new look. It looks fresh and modern, but it's still that art of handwriting um, that we're using. And it just exploded everywhere and it hasn't stopped. So if you look at marketing campaigns and you look at, you know, I mean, look at the signs in Starbucks, look at things that come in the mail on your coupons, look at every farmhouse style sign in Hobby Lobby and Target and Kohl's, they're all hand lettered looking, even if they're not made by hand. And so it just exploded onto the scene everywhere. And I thought, you know, I really love this. I've always been a doodler. I've always liked to play around with letter forms and things like that. And so I thought, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. So as I was teaching myself, I started sharing some of that on the website because the website over time, as Noah got older and started going to school and we weren't doing all the little preschool kids crafts anymore, I had shifted to some kids crafts, but also some grown up crafts too. You know, I was doing home decor and painted furniture and that kind of stuff, wall art. And so I just sort of slipped in there what I was learning. And as I was learning it, I was teaching it too, because that teacher background, I mean, you can take her out of the classroom, but she doesn't stop teaching. So I just was sharing what I was doing and people went, whoa, because everybody wanted to learn how to do it and nobody was teaching it. There were a couple people out there 
that were sharing. Um, but for the most part, they were speaking to fellow artists. They weren't speaking to average Jenny and Joe. Mm -hmm. And so the average person who wanted to learn how to do it really didn't have instruction. So my teaching background has always told me, break everything down into as small pieces as you can and then break it down one more step. So mm -hmm. that's what I was trying to do and just make it as easy to follow as possible that literally anyone could be successful. So as I started to do that, people were finding it and they were being successful. And I developed this audience that came just for the lettering. And they didn't even know I did other things. You know, they were there to learn how to letter. And so because of that, when I had the opportunity to pitch a book, it was just the natural fit. Um, my book proposal happened in 2016. And that was what people wanted at the time was this lettering instruction. So the book, the first one, Hand Lettering for Relaxation, came out in 2017. And to date has sold over 126,000 copies because people want to learn how to letter. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. And we all need to relax a little. Don't we, though? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Uh, I. <laughs> it's one of those things where I... I resonate with a lot of what you're saying because I learned calligraphy growing up and then, um, well, cursive and then calligraphy. And then I started using a computer and then my handwriting just, I think it just is continuing to decline. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's something, but I'm still drawn to writing things by hand. And isn't there um, research about the benefits of writing not uh, not just by hand, but also in calligraphy and doing this type of um, mindful lettering creation. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many benefits to it. And for starters, when you write something by hand, you are more likely to remember it. And mm -hmm. so that's why they encourage kids to take notes by hand and actually like write out note cards and things like that. Because the more time that you're spending with it and you're actually forming those words, they're going into your brain more so than when you're just typing. So I always encourage my kids to write. <laughs> they hate it, but they, you know, I, I tell them that they're going to learn better if they write. And I find that that's true for my lettering. If there's a quote that really means something to me or I'm taking notes for something or, you know, I'm taking notes during a sermon or whatever it is the more that, you know, I spend time artistically representing that, like I'm thinking about it the whole time that I'm writing it. And by the time I'm done, first of all, I've usually memorized whatever the quote is. And then it sticks with me because I've actually taken the time to reflect on it instead of just type it into something. This may be difficult for you to answer because creativity is kind of, it kind of is your life. It's so, it's so many facets of it. But I wonder if you could take a minute to reflect on the role that arts and creativity plays in your own sense of happiness and well-being like how do you feel like your life would be different if you had given up and not and never gone back to to the arts well um i don't think i ever stopped i stopped um like i never thought of it as a career path originally mm -hmm. but i never stopped creating because i can't Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of folks who end up making a living as creators would tell you the same thing. Like it's, I just, it's like breathing. <laughs> if I'm walking around, I'm creating something. And I think sometimes people 
they tend to put creativity in a box and they think, oh, well, I'm not good at drawing or I'm not good at painting, so I'm not creative. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. My husband is not an artist in the sense of drawing or something like that, but he likes to cook. And when we brought our son Nathan home from China in 2017, his goal was that he wanted to learn how to cook Asian meals that were authentic so that Nathan would feel more at home. Hmm. And so he makes the most amazing Chinese meals for us. He has absolutely ruined Chinese takeout. Like I can't, I can't eat it anymore. But that's his form of creativity is in the kitchen. It's, you know, coming up with these recipes and, you know, I'm a, like, I need to measure every single thing or else it turns to crap. But like, he will just, you know, a dash of this and a little of that and it makes these incredible things. So he's creating too. And my son, Noah, like he likes to do paper crafts. He is doing origami right now and he folds paper and glues it together to make baby Yoda. And I'm like, how did that oh. just happen? And so, you know, I think there's so many different ways that people are creative. Some people write poetry, some people compose music, some people dance. That's another form. Um, you know, so I never really stopped. And I think if you were to define it a little bit broader, more folks would realize that they're actually actively creating all the time. They just don't think of it through that lens. Like my dad, he was a bricklayer his entire career. And he felt like, you know, oh, that's the farthest thing from creativity possible. But it's not because when he would have the opportunity, he would build these fireplaces for people, these stone fireplaces or these walkways. And they were works of art. And he just expressed it with brick and stone instead of a marker or a paintbrush. So I think um, like the goal of my new book is really to help people realize that creativity is our everyday lives, whether we realize it or not. Can you tell us a little bit more about your book and what people um, can, can expect? Because I think it's on pre-order right now, right? It is. Uh, they are on a boat on their way. Um, but until the boat gets here, we don't have like a hard, <laughs> hard deadline. Um, but it is available for pre-order. And as soon as it gets here, the little boat that could, um, then you'll get your books. But this is, um, it's called Practice Makes Progress, My Creative Journal. And I do have my advanced copy. Finally, finally, it's here. Um, and basically, I took 25 different quotes that different people have said, like creativity takes courage by Matisse um, or the God wanted, wouldn't have made me this creative if he wanted me to cook and clean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. Or the earth without art is just eh. Uh. And, you know, most of these are probably quotes that you've heard or seen, but I have hand lettered, illustrated them. The whole book is hand illustrated. And then what happens is like this one, I love this one. Comparison is the thief thief of joy, Theodore Roosevelt. And um, so what I do is I talk a little bit, I give a little blurb about what I think that quote is telling us as creators or wannabe creators. And then I have a series of prompts. I usually have four to five different things in each chapter that I ask folks to do uh, related to that. So like an example is one of the quotes talks about how an artist puts a part of himself. It's in every work of art, the artist himself is present, is the mm -hmm. quote. And I think that's just so meaningful. That's why we love handmade gifts, because it's not that someone just bought us something. If they made it like a part of them, their heart and soul and their love for us is in that gift. And 
So one of the things that I have folks do in that chapter is I ask them to create something using their thumbprint because our thumbprint is such a unique part of ourselves and it's a visual reminder that we leave a little bit of us in the things that we make. So like one way that I did that was I made a thumbprint snowman ornament. Oh, so so if you're watching, you can see them. But then as readers, you know, you can read this anytime of year, do whatever, like do whatever you want with your thumbprint. You know, it's totally up to you or your handprint. Um, you can create any number of things. And so a lot of the prompts are open-ended like that so that people can express their creativity in whatever ways they love best. So whether it's creating a sculpture or doing some woodworking or writing a song or singing a song or, you know, whatever it is that they resonate with it in their own way. It's not me saying you have to letter something or you have to make a thumbprint snowman. It's you get to decide there is a prompt and a guidance and then you go create. Mm, that's really cool. We It reminds me of a art piece um, that we we're creating yesterday actually with there's a one of our partner hospitals that we work with they have a new unit opening and um we wanted to do some sort of collaborative art piece for this unit that kind of depicted the the unity of this group and they've all gone through covid together and now they're getting this brand new beautiful unit um and so one of our artists created um a tree a kind of a bare tree and the all the staff were able to come by and put their fingerprint their one of their fingerprints on the tree to make the leaves to make it look to bring it to life right I and so they're that. all leaving a piece of themselves and then we're going to frame mm-hmm. it and put it on the unit and there's um I love those I love the way that the arts can help us symbolically express um things that are meaningful in our lives absolutely um, yeah and taking something meaningful in itself like our fingerprint that is so unique mm-hmm. and transforming it and, and um, imbibing even more meaning in it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so, I am just learning about this thing we're doing at the hospital. So I'm very excited about it. <laughs> I, like, oh. I have pictures headed your way. Richard. Okay, good. <laughs> um, Amy, what is something that you can think of that someone could start doing today or practice today that would spark their creativity? Well, um, I definitely think hand lettering is a lovely place to start. And I know this (laughs) great book and a great website, (laughs) but in all seriousness, um, one of the things that I tell folks to do um, is to jot down, like pay attention to your five senses. Just look around you and see like, okay, what materials do I have on hand? What can I see? What can I hear? Um, You know, what's around me that could inspire me to create something with the materials that I have on hand? So if I look around, like I have a bunch of markers right here. I also have a whole bin of paintbrushes and some paints. And so I know what I could work with. And then if I look around, you know, I see the colors of the trees outside and the leaves. And, you know, if I'm listening to a favorite song, there might be a lyric that's jumping out at me, something that I want to turn into art or something that could be a theme for a piece of art. You know, as well as, is there something that I smell? You know, maybe there's cookies baking and that inspires me to create a card for someone and deliver some cookies to them. You know, so inspiration can come in so many different ways. And I think sometimes just stepping and tuning into your five senses, like really being present and saying, okay, what's here right now? What could I do? um, Is a good place to start. 
Yeah, because isn't that kind of the ultimate creative act when we take the sensory input of what we're experiencing in life and we digest it in unique ways and then we express it um, uh, in unique ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it takes it takes slowing down, right? And paying yes. attention to to get there. Yes. Which sometimes <laughs> I it's don't know if anyone else is busy. But yeah. <laughs> even as a creative, like I think sometimes we forget to slow down. Oh, for um, sure. Take it in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find I'm so busy creating the things that I have to create, mm. you know, just for partnerships and for different things that are going on or a book manuscript or whatever that I don't take the time just to create something for me. So I um, I think, Richard, you and I had talked about this the last time that we were on your show together. Um, I was telling you that my favorite way to actually relax and unwind is I like to do paint by numbers. They're the ones that are made for grownups, like masterpiecebynumbers.com. And they're these scenes that are gorgeous landscapes and things. And they're very intricate and detailed. And when you're done, it looks like this incredible painting that you paid thousands of dollars for. But, you know, for me, I don't have to think when I Mm. do it because you're just putting the color in the number. And, you know, it's just this mindless, but it's so relaxing and Mm. you're creating at the same time. So I love to just like stream my Pandora station and sit and paint because that's something that's just for me and I can just let it all go. Do you find that it's more restorative than like scrolling social media? Oh my gosh, yes. Which I don't know anyone that turns to that when they're stressed (laughs) out. (laughs) But it's what we do because it's right there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm constantly on social media for my business and I know I have to be there. And there are good things there. There are inspiring things to see and hear. And at the same time, sometimes it's so overwhelming and Mm -hmm there's such a feeling of competition and of you have to measure up. And it reminds me of that quote about comparison is the thief of joy. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of times, like by the time I get to, well, I don't even get to the bottom of my feet. I follow too many people, but you know, by the time I get done my scroll, I just feel like all the joy has been sucked out (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, my house isn't that clean or I'm not that ready for Thanksgiving or I'm not done buying all my gifts or whatever it is, you know, and um, the reality, I can tell you this as someone who creates posts that look like that, it's not, none of it's true. And, you know, (laughs) you see what we want you to see. And if I'm photographing a project, you see this much of my space. And I mean, it looks like a hurricane came through the rest. And that's not what you see. If you saw what my real studio looks like, you'd feel so much better. So (laughs) just keep in mind, that's only a snippet. But um. I think that creating is so much more restorative than comparing. Mm, oof, quote of the day. Mm. Creating <laughs> is so much more restorative than creating or than comparing. Is that what? Okay. Yeah. Mm. I'll have have to take that, that out. out and write that down. Yeah. It'll end up being a post when this episode comes out. I'm going to hand letter it later. That's a good one. Yes. Um, we were talking a little bit about it before. So I want to ask you the question of what, was the last thing you did for yourself? I know you were doing the paint by numbers. And are those the ones that you can do like custom, like you can send in custom photos? So like yes. if you have a photo you love, you can send it into them and they'll send it back to you as a paint by number. Yes, it's so cool. I went out, um, remember Richard, I went out to home and family to film with them again in April. And when I was out there, we 
I don't get out to California that often, but um, because of filming with them, I've gotten to go a few times in the last couple of years. And so it's just gorgeous. And you see things out there that you don't get to see other places. And living on the East Coast, I'm in Maryland. Our beaches are super flat. Like it's just flat sand, flat ocean, flat, literally everything. So we drove down to Malibu. We got, <laughs> there was this like little mix up thing with the rental car company. And we ended up getting this like brand new red Mustang rental car for like the price of a Toyota. <laughs> and so we were in this Mustang and we're like going down and we're driving the highway down to Malibu. And we've got like mountains on one side, ocean on the other side. And we got to this beach. It was El Matador Beach. And it's literally the most beautiful place I've ever seen in person. And they had these rock formations that were just on the beach and these like caves, like you could go into these little caves. And there were all these, I don't know if they were clams or mussels or what they were, but they were like these little shelled things all over them. And it was stunning. And I could not stop taking pictures. And I didn't have my good camera. All I had was my phone, but I took like 7,000 pictures. And so we got home and I was like, I really, really, really want to paint this, but I'm not a painter. Like that's not my thing. I could write about it, but I'm not a painter. <laughs> so I sent one of the pictures to Masterpiece by Numbers and they turned this thing into a literal masterpiece. Like it was super detailed and it took me forever but it was so worth it because it looks like a photograph when you're standing farther wow. away from it, you know, and it, everybody who comes to my house is like, Oh my gosh, did you do that? I'm like, yes, I did. But all <laughs> I did was put in the little numbers. And I did a second one where um, like, you know, that if I said Beverly Hills, like you get this image of a road with like palm trees on both sides. So I got a picture like that, that I took and I sent them that too. So they custom did that for me. So I have the palm tree one and then I have the beach one and they're in my kitchen. And it just, every time I look at it, it transports me back there. That's awesome. <laughs> I need to go look this up. I oh know they're really cool. Yeah. It's they masterpiece by numbers.com. And you can do, they have tons and tons of gorgeous ones. Like I've painted all of the beachy ones that they have. Um, I'm working on the, it's like tropical terrace right now. I think it's like doors open and you see a beach with like beach chairs. Um, but I've done like all of the other beach ones. And then they have one, it's like this little church in the spring with a little bridge. And I painted that for my mom for a gift. Mm. Um, that's the one I just finished because I've been working on that for her present. And um, so it's fun because you can, do it yourself and you get the enjoyment out of it. And then you can give the finished thing to someone else. So you're sharing it too, which is awesome. Mm. Love it. I would, I feel like that would be such a great, um, either like beginning of life gift, like baby, like painting, like taking a photo of your new baby and doing oh, that yeah. or like a legacy end of life piece mm. where like, I, I don't know. That's what it made me think of. I think that yeah. would be such a great idea. Amy, yeah. um, how can people best connect with you? What's the easiest way? Well, you can come and visit me anytime on my website. It's amylattacreations.com. And there's tons and tons of information there. Um, there's tutorials for all kinds of things. Uh, but you can also see um, some of the hand lettering things I have across the top of my site. There's a menu that will take you to free practice pages that you can print out. It'll take you to tell you about all of my books. Um, you can click on TV and see all of my TV segments. Um, so 
website is probably the best place to go. And then I'm on social media pretty much everywhere as at Amy Latta Creations. Um, Twitter, it was too long. So it's Amy L Creations there. But um, everywhere else, it's just my full at Amy Latta Creations. And on Facebook, I have my page, but then I also have a group called Amy Latta and Friends that I would love for you to join because the way that Facebook works um, sometimes with businesses and, you know, companies and brands, they don't show everyone who follows all of the things. I'm sure you've noticed that, like you follow or like a page, but then you don't ever see their stuff. Um, and so if you're in the group, Amy Latta and Friends, you have to request to join. And if you look like a real person, I'll let you in. And then, um, <laughs> you know, because Facebook. <laughs> uh -huh. But then once you're in, that's where we have that weekly show and tell thread. And I post like links to new posts or new segments, things to see. Um, and then it's a great place to ask questions. So if you have a question, whether it's about lettering or it's, you know, hey, I want to chalk paint my kitchen cabinets, which I've also done. Uh, what kind of paint do I use or do I need to prime or that kind of, you know, if you have any kind of crafty question, what form of Mod Podge should I use to seal my ornament? You know, ask it there. And um, I'm always happy to answer those questions too. And other members of the community will chime in and, and give you their expertise as well. I also think I'm going to steal that show and tell idea because yeah. I think that's so fun. Every Just... time we talk, or should you tell me you're going to steal them? I know. Well, and apparently someone stole the idea for the mugs. So we have that already done and I'm going to That's steal fantastic. this. That's great. And don't forget to uh, pre-order her book, Practice Makes Progress. Yes, you can get Journal. that um, Amazon or Barnes & Noble Books A Million Book Depository, Target, like all those websites have it available. Um, basically anywhere you would buy a book, they should have it available for pre-order. Love it. Amy, thanks for jumping on with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. Any, anytime. I'll probably see you next week. Uh, <laughs> make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. And uh, we'll have a new episode. I forgot. Probably next week. Every week we have a new episode. So keep creating, everyone. And we will see you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartsneedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create arts for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heart Scene Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.